You're listening to the Father's House Podcast. We're in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. made it to church. Me and my son were saying, you know, really all you had to do was warm your car and then walk to your car and then walk from your car to the building. <laughs> not that big of a, not that big of a deal, you know what I'm saying? And then walk back, you know, not, not that big of a deal. Uh, we have some friends in, you know, in upper Chicago and I just couldn't imagine, you know, it's called the windy city. How many of you know that the wind's what really makes it cold? My goodness, could you just imagine? Has anybody ever been to like Chicago downtown in the winter by the, by the water? Right, and that's why you're all at church. <laughs> so many of y'all raise your hand. That's why you're here right now. You're like, this is, this is nothing. Um, but anyways, Kentucky people are funny. Um, snowstorm, let's buy milk and bread and eat milk sandwiches. That's what's going to save us. We, have you ever noticed we buy the most perishable things? It's the silliest thing ever. We need milk, bread, eggs. You know, what about canned food and, you know, like a butane lighter or something, you know, to cook with? <laughs> you know what I mean? Something makes sense. Anyways, moving on. Uh, so it's good to come together with the body, amen? It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Um, it's good to just be in his presence. Uh, there's just something about his presence that is different than when you're alone. And there's something about his presence when you're alone that's different when you're with everyone else. Uh, so it's just we need both, Amen. And so it's funny, I actually, the, the message of where I'm going this morning is funny that I didn't really, I didn't plan on it being on a day like this where maybe a lot of people wouldn't come to church, but uh, you'll see why here shortly. Um, but anyways, we're a healthy home for the city. If you would be bold enough right now, if it's your first Sunday, would you raise your hand first time at this church ever? Would you raise your hand? You got a couple over here. Can we, can we welcome them in the church? Awesome. Hey, really good to have you guys. Man, we, we like to worship around here. Maybe if you haven't noticed, uh, I don't know, is Nathan Bowen in here? There he's coming in the room. Man, Nathan, I don't, I don't say this lightly, my friend, but I think that might have been just, the, just the, the best worship experience that I've had in this place. Um, so just keep going, bro. Just keep ministering to the Lord. It's so, so good. So good. Somebody say more, Lord. Amen. So we're a healthy home for the city. What that means, we want, we want to see you not just get saved. We want to see you get healed and delivered yourself. Uh, speaking of that, um, here in February, I believe, well, I'll be making some more announcements, a little more clarity on this here soon. Um, but we are also going to be offering um, some, some prayer times for um, deliverance of oppression. Amen? How many of you know, some of you are like, what does that mean? I'm talking about, Jesus said, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead. And so we're gonna be offering some sessions that you'll have to get on our website. And some people might not like this, and that's totally fine. Uh, that's just, this is just how we're gonna do it. 
And so we'll have a thing you can sign up for on our website. It's not ready yet. Uh, but if you just, you've been to freedom, you just can't see him. You've been through some dark stuff. You've been through some, some occult stuff, some real witchcraft stuff. How many of you know some people actually do that stuff? It's not just a fairy tale. And so if you've, if you've just got some hard stuff or you've been through trauma, some just really significant trauma and you just can't seem to break free from, from some things, I highly encourage you whenever we launch that to sign up and go through that prayer time, uh, completely confidential, uh, just a really, really good, just to break out of bondage. Amen? Amen? I, I've done it myself. Right? And so who's it for? I'd argue that it's probably for everyone to an extent, just to kind of clean house and make sure there's just, just nothing. How many of you know we've all been through some things? And some of you don't think you have, but you have. And so we want to break out of those things. It's going to be really good. So... Before I start, I just want to be obedient to the Lord. I, I was praying last night, uh, just about this morning. So I'm just going to make room for something for just a second. I really felt as I was praying and going over my message, I just got stopped. The Lord just stopped me. And he, I feel like the Lord was saying that there was, um, and, and Faith, uh, Pastor Faith, actually really, she kind of confirmed it a little more, the people that felt like they were drowning. And I had this in my notes. I really just felt this morning specifically that there's, there's a few of you in this room, or maybe just a couple in this room, that like, man, you were just really, really broken. And like maybe no one even knows. Or maybe people do know. And maybe it's just a struggle. Even in worship, you're like, man, I just, I, st- I just don't even feel like I can raise my hands. I don't even feel like I can press into worship. I barely made it here this morning. I just feel like the Lord is saying, like for some of you that just feel so alone and so broken and just so hurt, I just feel like the Lord, especially lonely, that really kept coming to me, just extremely alone. If, if that's you, um, I'm not gonna make you raise your hand or anything, but I just really feel like the Lord wants to minister to you for a moment. You know what, if you'd be bold enough, I'm just gonna have you lift your hand right now. I just feel like God wants to do something. I thank you for that hand. Just, I thank you for that hand. You're just like, man, I have just never felt so alone lately. Let's just be honest in this place. This is what the Father's House is about. This is who we are right here in this moment. This is a place of freedom, a place of meeting with God. And I thank you for those hands. Could you just keep your hands raised? I believe God just wants to minister to you and touch you. Can we just lift our hands towards people in this room? Come on, church. Jesus says, lo, I will be with you always. And the reality is sometimes we feel like even God is far from us. But I'm here to remind you this morning that he is with you. And he's walking with you and he knows your hurts. He knows your pains. He knows your tears. He knows your trauma. He knows what you've gone through and he loves you with an everlasting love. And you're not alone. You're not alone. And Jesus, some of you need to say that that had your hand raised. Say, I'm not alone. And I never will be. Lord, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you for that, some of that stuff that, that is just lifting even right now, just that isolation and solitude that's lifting right now in Jesus' mighty name. We honor you, King Jesus. Lord, and we just pray against the, the spirit of suicide and death off of people right now in Jesus' mighty name that says that, that lie that would come in that says, hey, your life would just be better if it, if it didn't exist. It would be a lot easier if I was dead. That's a lie from hell. We just rebuke the, the enemy this morning. And say, Jesus said, I came that you may have life and life to the full, an abundant life with Jesus. So Lord, I thank you for this next season of freedom, this moment right now of hope that just comes in this room and just breaks into people's hearts that have been hopeless. Lord, you can make a way where there seems to be no way. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Come on.
Isn't he good? Oh, he's so good. So, um, man, wasn't last week so good too with the testimonies? If you weren't here, go back and watch the service. Uh, I remember I had somebody uh, tell me, they were like, man, I brought some guests or sometimes when I bring guests, uh, you're not preaching or you're doing something different. And I said, good. <laughs> and because last week was a perfect example of for people to see who our church is really about. It's not about me. It's about what God is doing here through the ministry. That's what we want to point to. Amen. And you got to hear, you got to see the proof of what happens here. <laughs> not just a good sermon. Not just, oh, that's a good message. We could have a million good messages, but without life change, what are we doing? You know, it's, it's not, there's, no, there's nothing to it. There's no authority in it. There's no transfer in it. There's nothing that happens if we just preach good and no one changes. Amen? But I'm glad that people are changing, including myself, <laughs> drastically, little by little. And I just want to, one more thing, <laughs> in worship, I felt that Lord, uh, I felt, Nathan, when you start singing, uh, take me higher, take me deeper, uh, set me on fire. I mean, that's just so anointed. It's perfect. And I remember the Lord, when you're singing, God set me on fire. How many of you ever said that before? God set me on fire. We used to sing that song, uh, I set a fire down. And I started thinking, and a lot of times I'm thinking like, yeah, he's going to set me on fire to like burn for him and like do great things for him. And I felt the Lord say, uh, I said, set me on fire. And he said, I am setting you on fire. I have been setting you on fire by refining you and breaking off stuff off your life, by correcting you and disciplining you and actually changing you. I, I am setting you on fire. How many of you know it's a refining fire? And I remember thinking, dang it. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, set me on fire. He's like, I am. That's why you've had such a rough couple months. Because I'm refining you. Because if you want more of me, there's got to be less of you. So I got I to gotta refine you. I don't think we understand what we even pray or sing. And we're like, why is all this happening? Why am I to this rough place? It's because God's actually trying to heal and restore and bring hope to that rough place. Amen. Amen. So this week, uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually back in December, I just felt the Lord told me to talk about a topic um, that I just see in the church, not just our church, but in, in everybody's life, including my own and including this, any church, mainly in America. And I just want to talk to you about the topic of familiarity. Somebody say familiarity. familiarity. Kind of a fun word to say. Just being familiar. So before we get into this, uh, I just want to kind of talk about the good things about familiarity with God and also the negative things and the dangers of familiarity with God. Okay? So let's pray. Grab your neighbor's hand in a non-weird way if you don't know him. <laughs> it's okay. You can smile. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Lord, we just declare that, God, that we won't grow complacent with you and comfortable with you and never just give you what you're worthy of. So, Jesus, just have your way this morning. Father, I pray that you give your people ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to receive. Lord, I pray that you would just use me to just give what you gave me. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Let's lift our hands out in front of us real quick. We like to do this sometimes. Say, Lord, I receive anything that's from you. And anything else, I don't receive it in Jesus' name. So familiarity, somebody say familiarity. 
You know that word? That's a cool word. Familiarity simply means uh, that you can have a close acquaintance um, or the knowledge of something that you're really close to it. You know it very well, right? And we see this just like um, in my marriage, for example. In my marriage over years, some of you, um, <laughs> this is kind of funny, but like my wife can, can uh, um, she can like figure out, that's the lack of better words, she can figure out which sounds are in our house. You know what I'm saying? How many of you know some sounds in your house that you're like, because you've lived there so long and you've heard, you barely hear it and you're like, oh no, that's the washer. Because I'll be in the room, I'll be in the room with Maddie and I'll be like, man, I'm tired and I'll, I'll hear something and I'm like, what is that? That's just the air conditioner. You know, and I'm like, are you sure? No, it's just a refrigerator. Like she's become so familiar with our house that she, she knows it so well, she knows what it sounds like. And we were in here one time uh, on a date, just so y'all know, some of y'all might think this is funny. We, we go on dates sometime at the church. And I don't, right? Because we have babysitters come, stay at our house with our kids. And then how many of you know, we just get tired of going to Target and Texas Roadhouse. You know, or I do at least. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> I don't think Maddie gets tired of going to Target and Texas Roadhouse. I've become so familiar with Target and Texas Roadhouse. It's a bad thing now, right? Like, I'm very familiar with Kroger. I'm not going to lie. I should probably sign up for like Instacart or something because, you know, I know where everything is in that place. Right, me and Maddie, it's funny. We, we, sometimes we'll go into the nurse and mom's room. We'll watch a movie, have food, and be on a date. And we were in here one time, and we, I started hearing this noise. And Maddie's like, oh, that's just air conditioner. I'm like, no, I'm here all the time. I know what the air conditioner sounds like. And it's not. And there was people here, actually. And they were cleaning the church. It was like 9 o'clock at night. But anyways, familiarity. Say familiarity. So with Maddie, I can know her very well. Sometimes we can finish each other's sentences. Uh, I, I know what, I remember what Maddie smells like, what she smelled like when we first started dating. Because she still can wear, whenever she wears that same perfume sometimes, I'm like, oh, that's from our wedding. Oh, I know, I'm a, I'm a pretty amazing guy. <laughs> but you know what, are you following me? These are the good things about familiarity that I've grown so close with Maddie. I've grown so close with my kids. I grow so close with God that I know him, that I know him well, that I know, I know what he's about, that I know my wife well, that I know my kids well. When your kid's born, there's that moment when you first see your child and you're so in awe and wonder. And then they start acting crazy. And then they make real dumb decisions and you kind of, you can lose some of that. Or, and, and just like in marriage, we grow, uh, let's just be honest, like we, we've been together so long, our familiarity has actually, is ruining the marriage. We're becoming, it, it, it's basically like, at first it was like, oh wow, there's my spouse. Oh man, she's amazing. And now it's like. Oh, what's up? You need something? <laughs> right? We get to the, am I the only one? It, 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 there's good and bad things that can come out of it. We can know each other so well. I can know what she's thinking. I can know what she likes. I can know what she wants. And also, I can get to a place where I'm so complacent with her that she's, I'm not really actually impressed by her anymore. You see where I'm going? And I started thinking, man, and, and I, I'm guilty of this just like anyone in this room. And I think sometimes we see the same thing with, with, our, with our children, especially if you're a younger parent. The more you try to be cool with your kids, it seems like the less they honor and respect you. And there's this balance of, I'm trying to be a father 
and I'm trying to be so close to my kids, but also at the same time, to let them to not to, to actually revere and have a fear of me and a reverence for me. Amen? I don't even know we're at the Father's house. And we want, to, we want us to see God as a father. We want to pray, embrace him as sons and daughters, but we don't want to forget that he is a holy God and he's an all-consuming fire. He's not, to, he's not just this thing that we should go complacent with, amen? So it can be the same way with God. When we first meet God, we're excited, we're on fire, we're in awe, we're in reverence for him, we can't wait to be with him. We go to church, we go to small group, we go to everything we can. 20 years later, we're still making a decision whether or not we're gonna go to church at all. And I get it. And I, like I said, I wasn't. I planned on preaching this way before I knew it was going to be eight degrees outside. <laughs> and I get it. Some of our elderly people, it is very, very cold. It's not that safe. I completely understand. But I mean, we just make way too many excuses not to, to do things for God. And I, I fear it's because we've just grown so familiar with the Lord sometimes that it's actually ruining intimacy with God. Familiarity with my wife can ruin intimacy. I'm just so used to her. Familiarity with God can ruin intimacy where I'm, just, I'm not impressed by him anymore. Right? I know it's quiet in here. And so we see this um, with the Israelites in the wilderness in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 25 and 26. Moses is talking about, he's talking to the Israelites and he's saying, hey, we're in the, remember you're desperate for God, your need for God, we're, we're following him. He said, hey, when you get to the promised land, when your father, excuse me, and children and your children's children, where is this at? I don't know if I have the same verse. Check this out. When you have had children and children's children and become complacent in the land. Is this what this says? Growing old in the land. I got a different translation. We'll find it sometime. When you have grown complacent in the land, if you act corruptly by making an idol in the form of anything, you will soon utterly perish from the land. Moses was telling them, hey, when you get to this place, when things start to get going well for you, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what God has done for you. Don't forget the desperate places. Let me say it like this. Don't think that you can do this now without God. Don't think that you don't need him anymore because you got a good job now. I see it in the, the rehab all the time with Friends of Sinners. Then they come into the Friends of Sinners house, and this is just not just Friends of Sinners, but I see it there a lot. They're just like, they're excited, they're humble, they're passionate, they're ready for more of God, and then all of a sudden they get a phone back, they get a job back, and everything, they start to get more in this complacent, comfortable place, and it's dangerous. If, and we're excited, and we would love God, we give our testimonies. And he's saying, hey, when you get to the promised land and things start going well for you, don't forget about God. Don't forget who actually brought you to this place. Don't forget who actually is the one who blesses you and provides for you. It's, it's Yahweh, it's not you. We gotta get past this thinking that we are the ones providing for ourselves. That we're doing it with my job and my paycheck and, and my money and all this stuff. And he's saying, don't get complacent. And forget your desperate need for me. How many of you know we are in desperate need of him? In John 15, he says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How many of you know you can be a very long branch with no fruit? That means you can, you can be a Christian for a long time but have no fruit. And it's because we, we, we get away 
from thinking that we become self-sufficient. I got this. I can do it. And then what happens? Something bad happens. Something falls apart. And then we move back to this place. Oh, Lord, help. <laughs> we need you. And you've seen that with the Israelites. They would get back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I believe the Lord is calling us today to shift that turn again and to come back to him and say, God, we need you. We need you completely and fully more than ever, Lord. Is this making sense? Not just, okay, I got my stuff, I got my car, I'm gonna, I mean, think about it. Like me and Maddie, we got a Cheddar's gift card. She's gonna go use that after church. We just got a rest of our day. We're gonna watch football. And then we're just waiting for church to be over because that's just what we do on Sundays. You know what I mean? Because we get so familiar. I, I just wanna take us out of that place where we're, if, we're, if we're in that place that we're just not impressed with God and we think we can do it on our own. He doesn't want you. He says, when you get to the blessed place, remember, don't start to bow to idols and idolatry. Amen? We start to think, man, we don't really need God anymore to help us or guide us. Second Chronicles 26, 15 and 16 it's talking about King Uzziah, who was blessed by God. It says, this is powerful. It says, he was marvelously helped by God until he became strong. But when he had become strong, he grew proud to his destruction. Wow. Mm -hmm. Oh, now is this the right scriptures? Oh, there we go. It's just different translations. For he was unfaithful to the Lord and his God and into the temple of the Lord to burn incense. He grew proud to his destruction. Did you notice that said God helped him to be strong? And then when he got there, he grew proud. Look what I've done. And then he's destroyed. Then things start to go downhill. And so when we start to get complacent, if you've gotten to a really comfortable place in your life right now, remember the Lord. <laughs> Remember your need for him. I would encourage you to put on that song, Lord, I need you, and remind yourself, even though I got money in my bank, I got nice cars I'm driving, got everything we need, let me prophesy every morning, God, I only have this because of you, and God, I still need you just as much today as yesterday. Just as much, Lord. Let me not grow complacent. Let me not grow proud. Let me not start to think that I've done this. No, Lord, you've done this. You took us out. If it wasn't for God even getting them out of Egypt at all, they would have never been in these places. Right? So only in God can we find true security and satisfaction. Let us seek the, uh, let us not seek the world to satisfy us and let it pull us away from church, from his presence. And... I've been praying all morning that I would release this word with a grace and a peace in my heart. So I'm not trying to, there's no, just shame anyone today. But how many of you know there's scriptures in the Bible where God talks sternly with his people? Amen? And it's because we need an alignment sometimes and a correction sometimes to recognize that he is a holy God, church. He's not just to be, oh, he's, God's just over here. He's not that, it's not that big of a deal. Amen? So, um, we also see in the book of Amos uh, where the Israelites were really good at going through the motions. So what, basically, they would, they would do all the feasts, they would do the offerings, they would, in a sense, they, they would go to church, they might even serve. You know, they might even give money away. 
And this is a pretty strong scripture here. But he was saying, hey, you're going, you're fasting, you're going to feast, you're doing all the stuff that I gave you to live in reverence for me. The feasts were there that you would celebrate me. The service on Sunday is here so you would celebrate me. The small groups are here so you would come and have fellowship and learn to be the body of Christ and be a hope to the world. And he was saying, you, you just, you do all the things. You do them well. Attendance. I'll give some money too. I love talking to people around town. I ask them where they go to church, especially a lot of the older generations will say things like this. Well, I, that's where I pay my tithes. That's where I pay my tithes. That's where I pay my tithes. Did you know that's not what God is worried about? He's worried about that's where you're supposed to be to learning and growing and thriving and giving your gifts away to be a part of the body of Christ, not just a place where you pay your tithes. Because that's what he's saying in Amos. He's saying, you, 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 you do the festivals. You do all the religious stuff really well. And God comes in kind of strongly. And he says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. This is even tougher. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the music. Dang. And what he's saying is, if there's no reverence for me truly in your heart, I'm not receiving anything. Close your mouth. <laughs> He's saying, I don't want the motions. I don't want the formula. I want you. I want your heart. The Bible says this is what's pleasing to God is a broken and contrite heart, not a formula and a motion and a tithe envelope and a signed name. And not a festival. And he's saying, you're, you're going, you're, you do all the festivals, you do all the offerings, you're checking all the boxes. But he's saying, they mean nothing to me. Those things were designed to bring your heart to me. That's what it's about. This is what we're here. Our church, this building is not the church. This building is an equipping center and a worship center. This is a place of worship. This is a place where we come and gather to minister to the Lord together in one accord. This is a place where we come to be equipped to go out and do the work of the ministry. This is not the checkbox for our Christianity. Amen. I'm telling you, I, I never wanted that. And that's why I never did it. I refused. My, I, my mom was lucky to get me to go to church on Easter and Mother's Day. And I used to go to this church on those days. But I, I wasn't ready because I didn't want to, it to be a, a formula to me. I didn't want to see the same stuff I grew up in that hurt me in church. I didn't want to become that. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it for real. I'm not just going to come to church because that's what you're supposed to do. <sighs> Man, he's worthy of so much more. He's worthy of so much more. So much more than attendance and tithe. Those things are important, but if they're not coming from your heart out of devotion and gratitude and worship to him, he's saying, you're missing it, right? Amen. So, man, it's a pretty tough scripture. He says, I'm not even listening to the music. There's another scripture in Malachi where they were, they were doing things without reverence. They were bringing God their sick animals, and they're, they're blemished animals. And he goes on to say in Malachi, he says, man, oh, that you would shut the doors to the temple before you would bring me that type of sacrifice. So God is, I feel like the Lord wants to set himself up this morning as a holy God that we are supposed to live in reverential fear and all of. 
and not just the father where we're sons and daughters. Yes, that's amazing. This, this holy, all-consuming fire God is our dad, which is incredible. But we are to approach the throne of grace with confidence. It doesn't mean we go, it doesn't mean that we approach the throne of grace and we're not impressed and we're lackadaisical. It means we can only approach it with confidence because of what Jesus did. That's what it means. It doesn't mean get so familiar with God that you treat him like he's not that big of a deal. Amen. He's a really big deal, church. Amen. So, um, uh, even just church attendance, even small group attendance, different things like this. And I'm not, this isn't meant to be for everybody. Maybe you're killing it, all these things, that's great. But I think we, we just get so familiar with church. Some of you have been going to church your whole life where it's just not... It's just not even that big of a deal to you anymore. And I would dare to say the reason why it's not that big of a deal is because it's been such a formula for you your whole life. And then you start to think, I don't actually need, I don't really need to go to small group. I don't really need to. No, you don't need to go check a box. That's what you don't need. You don't need to go into a fake situation and be fake and go around people and, act and not be vulnerable and not be real. That's what you don't need. What you do need is to come into fellowship with other believers and be honest and be vulnerable and get freedom and find hope and lose shame and lose rejection and be accepted. That's what you need. You don't need to come just to check a box and come and gather. You need to get in his presence and sing him songs and get in his glory and give him praise because he's worthy. You don't need, you're right, you don't need that. You don't just need a checkbox church. And a lot of us, just while we're... Why we make such an easy decision not to go or not to get a part of anything because it's just another thing through the motion. And then we start thinking church is the problem. I promise you, it ain't the church. And it's not just because I'm the pastor. You know how I know? Because Jesus said you will tell them by their fruit. There is so much fruit in this church of life change. That's how we can know that God is here. It's not just because we got money or money in the bank, we're paying our bills, we have whatever. It's because people are changing. God is ministering to people in life. Oh, man, I get so many testimonies. We've seen people completely broken, completely isolated, now just on fire for God, completely open, completely vulnerable, knowing who they are. It's amazing. It's incredible what God is doing. So let us not just get indifferent about gathering with believers. Uh, it's not that big of a deal. No, Apostle Paul would write in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, he says, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. I was, when you start to think that you're just going to a Bible study and not actually going to share of yourself to the body, then you're, it's gonna be a formula. You'll be indifferent to it. If you're going and you're not actually being vulnerable and not actually sharing and not actually going to learn and being teachable and being humble, then it's going to be a formula and you're not going to want to go no more. I love hearing testimonies from our freedom groups and small groups, people that are new to it, and they hear how vulnerable people are in the group. How are you doing? I've been super depressed all day, man. Just can't get it together. It's been a rough week. And they're like, oh, whoa, we can do that? We don't have to say, oh, everything's going well. Jesus is on the throne, man. There's no fear in love. <laughs> we'll get there. Somebody say, I'll get there. We want to see, like, the Apostle Paul. There's time, so many times where Paul said, man, I long to be with you. I long to be with you. And he wasn't talking about the Lord. He was talking about his brothers and sisters in Christ. 
I long to be with you guys. And in in his humility as an apostle, there was times where he would say, not only that you would receive what I have, but that I would receive from you. Isn't that beautiful? That even the apostle Paul realized that he could also receive from other believers in the body of Christ. Isn't that awesome? We can receive grace, encouragement. Man, we all need it. I'm encouraged to hear other people's testimonies, to hear what God's doing in their life. It helps me when I don't feel like God is doing anything in my life. It helps me to see what he's doing in yours because I can still say, there he is. <laughs> right, enemy, I might not see it right now, but I can see it on Anthony's life. I can see it on Christian's life. I can see it on Dom's life. I can see it right now. I see what you're doing and devil, you're a liar. Is this making sense? So let's not be indifferent about being with the body. And I'm not trying to be overdramatic, but there's so many nations and people, this is just the reality. People, they cannot gather with the church at all. And, and if they do gather, people around the world right now are gathering in secret. They can't gather with hundreds of people in public. They would long for, you know, some of these people, they would long to come and be able to gather with a couple hundred people or a thousand people and worship the almighty God, but they cannot. Let's not become indifferent to our freedoms that we have in America to worship God freely, to come together freely. I remember it was one of the, one of the coolest things. We went to a stronger men's conference in Springfield, Missouri, or somewhere, and there was 10,000 men in this auditorium. How many of you were at Promise Keepers where they had 50,000 or 100,000 men back in the day? Raise your hands, right? There was nothing like it, was it? That many men... Just 10,000. I remember the, the Stronger Men's Conference. It was pretty crazy. There was a tank there. There was like a, a midget doing something crazy. I don't even remember. It was wild. And not really my biggest cup of tea. But then they had Jesus too, you know? And I was like, this is awesome. 10,000 men were here. And I remember one of my favorite things was just sitting in the room and being able to worship with 10,000 men. So, wow, look at how much glory we're bringing to the Lord. This is incredible. I can't get that anywhere else. So good. So let us, let's not become indifferent to just being with the body of Christ, amen? Oh, I don't really need it. Yes, you do. We need one another. That's why it's a body. Literally, the Bible tells us that the, the, the foot can't tell the hand. He doesn't need it. He's saying we need, we need all of us. We need all hands on deck, amen? So um, we need to value this gift to fellowship with the body instead of thinking I don't really need to. It is a gift. It is a privilege to be able to come together with believers freely and even have small groups to do anything that we can do. It's, a, it's such a freedom that we have that I feel like we have it so much is that we don't, it, we become indifferent, right? We're so familiar with it that it's not, we're not really impressed with it anymore. This is not what the Lord is asking of us, amen? He wants us to be like Paul and say, man, I long to be with you. So another thing is valuing his presence in worship and in general. You know, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. That means he comes in a greater measure when we gather together like this and give him praise. I feel like um, we say, how many of you ever say to your kids, I know I do, <laughs> we say, would you do that if Jesus was here right now? <laughs> right? Would you do that if he was here? Would you listen to that song? Would you watch that movie, that TV show? Would you go to this place? Would you do that if he was here? And then we all know the reality of what? 
that he is there. <laughs> right? And it's just, we, I, I, I fear sometimes that we got so familiar with worship and feeling his presence that we're not impressed anymore. When he comes in the room in a greater measure, when we got a little deeper place of worship, our worship started to get into a higher place this morning. And maybe some of us are just not impressed when God's in the room. I don't want to ever find me not impressed with his presence. That I'm not completely overwhelmed and in awe and wonder that God is right here, right now. Don't ever find, this is man, so easy for me. Uh, at times, I can press into worship. I'm in tears all the time. I'm on the treadmill at YMCA in tears because I, I can understand this and I want to heighten your reality this morning. The reality of him with you right now. It's not just a cool story. It's not just a cool thing pastors say. It is the truth. He's right here in this place. And he's worthy of, of reverential fear and awe and wonder and worship. That's why I love that song, You're Worthy of My Song. So powerful. Not about feelings, not about how you feel. I think what it is, a lot of times we're stuck in this place where we don't really, either we don't really believe he's here or we've just become so indifferent that we're not impressed. We're like, man, this is beyond. Then it becomes just like our spouse. And then we're just not impressed anymore. And then we just walk right past him. Oh, Jesus is here. Yeah, yeah, he's, over, he's here, he's over there. He's always here. I've known him my whole life. You know what I mean? He's worthy of more, church. When we come and gather in his presence, when we sing him songs, I'm not saying you have, I'm not saying you have to jump and shout and dance. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, just give him what he's worthy of. It's a heart posture to be in reverential fear and honor of God, that he's in the room. So can we just say we're not gonna be complacent and be familiar with God, we're no longer impressed by his presence. Can somebody say amen? I always wanna be impressed with him, always. So, um, I started thinking, you know, that song, May We Never Lose Our Wonder. Anybody remember that? You ever have God, how many of you ever seen God just really do something spectacular, just a miracle, something amazing, a prophetic word, a healing, just something you know God orchestrated, and when that happens, you're like in awe and wonder. We had that happen recently. This is really cool. Um, so some of you didn't know, Maddie is pregnant. That's why she has a ton of snacks and stuff on the front row. <laughs> I prefer not everyone else eating here, but she, unless you're pregnant. <laughs> She's got a ton of stuff. I forgot what I was going. Oh, here we go. So awe and wonder. It's, sometimes it's easy to be in awe and wonder when something wild happens. Right? And I remember the other day um, with Redding. So we, this is just really cool. When Redding, when Maddie was pregnant with Redding, there was a, uh, we were at this wild Pentecostal church out in the country. So wild that we left after a little while. Um, <laughs> Hey, but God spoke to us there. Come on, somebody. Um, yeah, and so I remember we were there, and this guy playing piano. He's playing piano. He looked at Maddie. He was crying. Maddie was big pregnant. And he looked at her weeping, crying. He said, the Lord says, you're carrying a prophet. 
And then we had Redding, and I don't know if you've known Redding, but Redding has some learning disabilities. Redding doesn't talk very well. It didn't speak almost very well at all until like the last year and a half. And then honestly, just kind of forgot about it. And then Julian came last year, and we're at Texas Roadhouse. And the Bible says we see in part and hear in part, right? And so I'm just telling you this testimony. And so we're sitting there at Texas Roadhouse with Julian, and Julian's like, hey, I'll prophesy over your kids. He doesn't know our kids, and I recorded it on my phone. And he starts to talk about Carter and, and Redding. And he, I would say he was probably like 80, 85% accurate with all of our kids. And he goes to Redding and he says, I just feel the Lord saying that he's gonna have the same prophetic gift that I have on my life, on his life. I remember me and Maddie were at Taser Roadhouse and we're like, whoa, that's kind of crazy. And it brought back that word. And it was a moment of awe and wonder. Like, wow, Jesus. And then it got crazier. Here recently, Maddie's, we found out Maddie's pregnant. She tells me, I don't think we told anyone else yet. No, we definitely didn't tell the kids yet. We we're trying to figure out how to do that. And the next morning, we find out she's pregnant. Redding is up by himself, he usually does, and just gets up and does his own thing. And Redding draws a picture. I wish I had it to put on the screen. And he draws a stick picture of the family. And with Maddie, he draws like this big circle around her stomach. And he brings it to Maddie that morning. And he says, here, mom. And she says, what is this? That's the family. And she said, well, what's this part? He said, oh, that's the baby in your belly. I remember we were telling Carter at the dinner table, and Carter was like, that's kind of freaky. <laughs> he texted to me. I, I won't be able to show. If you want to see, you can come up to us afterwards. And Carter's at the table, and he literally was like, that's kind of scary. <laughs> Let us never lose our wonder in all of God. This is just like the Israelites. They've seen the miracles. They, they're, they're, they knew the stories when God brought them through the Red Sea. And what did they do after they, as soon as they got through the Red Sea? They sang a song, praise the Lord. And all of a sudden, quickly afterwards, they got comfortable, complacent, and started running away from God. Let us not lose our awe and our wonder of who he is and what he's done. These are not just stories, church. How many of you had something happen like that in your life? Raise your hand. If you haven't, stick around. But God is speaking and he's wanting to grab our attention. And I think that scripture puts it in a really, really good word. Psalms 2.11 NASB. I'm just gonna read it. I don't know what they have. I think I had them all wrong. That's good. But he says, worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. This is what I want to mark our house. That we're not just so complacent and so familiar with God that we're not actually, we don't really have any fear or any reverence for him. There's something about God. There's this balance about God that yes, he's a loving father, but he is also completely holy and righteous. And so we need to honor him and respect him for who he is. I love that scripture. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Isn't that amazing? It's basically saying, hey, rejoice in the way that you're still in this, this fear of him and in awe of him and wonder of him. Amen? So then 
12.08. Come on, somebody. Two, two more things. Um, also, the Bible. Somebody say the Bible. So we need to value the Word of God, right? The same thing with the Bible. How many of you have a Bible? How many of you have had a Bible your whole life? How many of you had 10 Bibles your whole life? Keep your hands up. I remember my mom, she would always buy me a Bible when I was younger, hoping that I would read it. I never did. <laughs> I do now, though, Mom. <laughs> so keep going, parents. <laughs> keep going. But I, I think the same thing can happen with the Bible. I remember, uh, I, I'm going to be honest, I, I read so much more of the Bible when I first got saved than I do now. Now, granted, I was in jail. I had a whole lot of time on my hands, and I can make that an excuse if I want. I think sometimes we get so familiar as well. It's good, how many of you know it's good to be familiar with the Bible? You know where it's at. You can open it three-fourths of the way to get to the New Testament. You can open it halfway to get to Psalms. You can open it to this. And you, How many of you can do that? You know what I'm talking about. You can go through there. You've done JBQ. You, you can name all the books in the Old Testament, but you can become so familiar with it where you're indifferent towards it now. And we start, start saying things like, well, I've already read that. I've already read John. How many of you know the Bible says that it is living and active? It doesn't just be read, it reads you. And it will constantly be speaking to you for the rest of your life. You can never read it enough. How many of you know you'll never be finished with the Bible? Ever. You can't finish it because it's alive. You cannot finish the Word of God. It is living. We, we, we just oh, already had the Bible. Oh, I've read John. I've done the Gospels. I've done the Bible reading plans. No, no, no. Did you know that when they were first translating the Bible, I was reading this on Carter's thing the other day for his school. When they were first translating it into English, older people were learning English just so they could read the Word of God. For the first time in their life, in their 80s, there's no, I gotta learn English so I can read the very Word of God Himself. And then we have so many Bibles. I say, y'all messing with me? Come on, somebody. So cool. Come on, Redding. <laughs> Gotta have at least one prophet. If I'm gonna have five kids. Apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally just kidding. I'm releasing that pressure off you right now, Carter. We only want you to do what God wants you to do. And we need more lawyers and doctors. Come on, somebody. I just said that so he would get rich and give me money. <laughs> I'm going to remember all this protein and gym memberships and chicken. Anyways, you can laugh a little bit. So how many of you could be, if we be honest, we can grow very familiar with the Bible where it's not that big of a deal to us anymore. This is not what God has designed. The Bible is the written word of God. It is Jesus in written form. Jesus is the living word. This is the written word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. It's not just a book, church. This is not just a book. You can go to Egypt, and you can go to the Red Sea, 
You can go and see the sea that he split. You can go to the mountains where Moses met with him. You can go to the Jordan River and be baptized. You can go sail a boat on the Sea of Galilee. You can go to Capernaum. You can go to Galgatha. You can go to Jerusalem. You can see Bethlehem. It's not just a story. You can go to Turkey. You can go to where the churches were. You can go to where the Corinthians were. You can go to Rome. You can go to Patmos where the book, where it was penned in the book of Revelation. You can go there. It's not just a story. And if you want to go, you're like, man, I want to go on a mission trip. If you got the money for something, take yourself, go to Israel. Maybe not right now. I don't know if you can. <laughs> Egypt is another place that it's dangerous for the gospel. Turkey, at one time, Turkey uh, I believe Turkey is where Antioch was. And now Turkey is the most unreached nation on the earth. Let's not just put our Bibles to the side. Oh, it's just another year of a reading plan. No, let's cherish the word of God. Let's be excited about the word of God. Let's treat it and with reverence and awe and wonder of what it really is, that it has stood the test through the ages. Amen? Amen. So, what do we do? Um, Psalm 63, verse 1. It says, you, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. This is the answer. Let us be a people who seek the Lord. Even though this is where it gets kind of confusing sometimes we have him but we're called to seek him we have the inheritance but he still says seek me out draw near to me and I will draw near to you so he's asking us as a church asking me as all of our leaders that we would not just be complacent with God for this year and this isn't just a word for 2024 this is a word forever that we would seek him with all of our hearts, that we would get in the word with all of our hearts, that we would gather with all of our hearts, that we would give with all of our hearts, that we would give all of ourselves to him and give him what he's worthy of, church. Can somebody say amen? Can we stand to our feet? How many of you know repentance is a good thing? It's not a shameful thing. Some of you have been raised where repentance is a shameful thing. And God wants to break that off of you this morning. Repentance happens when you realize that you've just been doing something the wrong way. And God is in his grace and mercy is saying, hey, I'm going to correct that this morning. In my love, he's going to say, hey, let's turn this other way. Our worship team come. Prayer team, you can go ahead and come as well. I'll go ahead and the end here. Somebody just say out loud, say, I'm going to seek you, Lord. Come on, say it again. Amen. This other translation says, my whole being longs for you. My whole self longs for you, Lord. Let us stay in a place of understanding our desperate need for God. And no matter how good things are going, God, we always need you more. (laughs) 
not every open door and every blessing is from the Lord. Some of those things can, so many, so many jobs, so much work, so much stuff coming in can be something to actually pull you away from him. So don't let it, amen? Let's treat his presence in awe and wonder. Let's treat his word in reverence and awe and wonder. Let's treat gathering like we long to be with the body of Christ. Let's not grow indifferent and complacent to our freedoms and the things that God has given us. Let us not, let us not not be impressed with the cross. Let us not, not be impressed with the resurrection. The simple fact that he forgives our sins, that should always wow us. That should always be, do you hear what I'm saying? Some of you, you've heard it your whole life. Man, your sins are forgiven. Yeah, I know they're forgiven. They've always been forgiven since I was seven. No, the cross was a big deal. The suffering of Jesus is always a big deal. And there's something we always have to give him what he's worthy of. Jesus, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for loving me in my worst place. And you're always worthy of my song. You're always worthy of everything you ask for me, God. You're always worthy. Can we just lift our hands in this place? Jesus, you're worthy of everything we have. And just take a moment right now and just in your own way, just kind of repent for anything that you've been complacent about. You've been complacent about coming to church. You've been complacent about the Bible. You've been complacent about his presence. You've been complacent about the cross. You didn't even realize it. You're thinking, God, I'm not really impressed with you anymore. Say, God, forgive me. I honor you. Find me grateful. Find me thankful. Find me with praise always on my lips, Lord. And let me not move from this place. Just have a brief moment with just you and him. Lord, turn your people around. Turn us around, Lord. Set us on fire, Jesus. Hallelujah. And if you're here today as well, under the sound of my voice, if you can say, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I've never been saved. I've never given him my life. I've never surrendered to him. I've never said, Jesus, I believe in you. I receive your forgiveness. I make you Lord of my life. If that's you right now and you still need to be born again, would you raise your hand really high? If you would be bold enough in this place, I see a hand. Anyone else? I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to give him my life. I need to surrender all to him. I've never wanted to come to, man, I feel like there's someone in this room, maybe a young man in the maybe early 20s, and you're saying, man, I've never, I've just, I've never wanted to play the church thing, and that's not what I'm inviting you into this morning. God is not inviting you into playing church. He's inviting you into a relationship with him. Man, I just really felt strongly. There's a young gentleman here in the early 20s. You're just thinking, man, I've just, If I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do it the right way. And maybe you're waiting. I feel the Lord saying, today is that day. Don't wait a day longer. Man, if that's you and you'd be bold enough, would you just come down right now to the altars, to our prayer team. I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to give him my heart. Come on, if he's tugging on, you could come after this, but I'd appreciate it if you come now. All right, we'll move on. For the others that raise their hands, you can go ahead and come to the altar now to pray with one of our prayer team. 
to find Jesus. They'll pray a prayer of salvation with you. If you need healing in your body, I just pray that you'd come this morning. If you need God to restore your marriage, anything you need prayer for, I want you to come. I also have a few things to bring up from our prayer team. Um, They felt like a sharp pain in the area of the spine between the shoulders. If that's you, come on down. We want to pray for you. Uh, A woman with extreme grief over a sudden loss of a son. If you've lost a child recently, or maybe it wasn't recent, um, but you're just dealing with grief of a loss of a son, would you come? believe the Lord wants to minister to you. Neck pain on your right side, uh, ulcers and a tore up stomach. People that have just been rejected, just struggling uh, with being rejected, you could come. And also a heart defect that you've been born with. If those are any of you, would you come down to the altars? We believe God wants to minister to you. And how many of you know your problem doesn't have to be on that list, but if you need healing at all, would you come down? Look at your neighbor for me. Say, neighbor, is any of that you? (laughs) Say, I'll go with you. Thank you, Lord. Let me pray over you. Father, I just thank you for what you've done this morning. I thank you for your love and your grace. We just declare that the Father's house will always find, you will always find this place in this worship service, God, giving you praise and being grateful and thankful for you, Jesus. Lord, have your way in this service. Have your way in the rest of this day in the name of Jesus. And Father, please help the Cowboys win. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, give it up for Jesus this morning. If you need prayer for any of those things, please come before you go. Or if you're online, you're watching online, and one of those things are you, comment on there. We want to pray for you. Bless you guys.